not the time to cry. We need to now show that our model, which is based on community, is the only real model for the future. We provided more than 5,000 meals, even now during COVID, to kids around us who do not have access to three meals per day. We were inviting my friends at home to eat with us, to share a meal. Mercato, in reality, is a 30 years of progress in my thinking about the food system. Just selling a drink is not selling food or selling a ham. You need to try to transfer the culture, the history behind that product. The only way to understand food is to taste it with someone next to you who possibly understand it even better than you. In four months, 2.5 million visitors with not one pound spent in advertising. People came because it was a real place. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion, and big drive. They are disruptors, change makers, and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? We're here today in Mercato Metropolitano in Mayfair and had the absolute pleasure of interviewing the founder, Andrea Rasca. They run an alternative business model that's just non-traditional and they focus on integrating into the community, focusing on real traditional values and authenticity in terms of the food that they offer and really um, supporting everybody involved in the business. So full ecosystem from suppliers, the traders that are operating here, and customers and people living and working in the area. So it's a really, really inspiring interview. I'm sure you'll learn a lot and have a lot of insights into really how this business works from the ground upwards. And Andre is really, really customer focused. Uh, I asked him a question about how he's coping with COVID and the, the new restrictions coming in. And his first response and his first thought quite clearly was not him, but the customers and community and his suppliers. So really, really inspiring. Hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea and enjoy. So I think we're almost obliged to talk about the current situation and COVID, but I'd like to get into more detail in terms of how it have impacted Mercato and the industry in general a bit later. But first of all, it'd be really interesting to see how it impacted you personally and how you coped with, I guess, the initial onslaught in March and then how has your mindset been for the last six months? How have you dealt with it and what's your current thinking of the situation personally? Yes, well, it was not a nice uh, piece of information we received. I think it was March yes. when they decided uh, to lock down. Um, but again, what is the alternative? You have just to react immediately. So we had uh, two hours of uh, a little bit of, let's say, a drink. Yeah. A good Franciacorta. We sat down, all of us, all of the team, and we said, uh, it's not the time to cry. We need to now show that our model, which is based on community, is the only real model 
for the future. So it's a resilient model. What we did was to obviously interrupt the service of the restaurants. We have more than 42 shacks inside Mercato Metropolitano in Elephant and Castle and 21 here in Mayfair. They could not serve food. People could not enter and eat at the table anymore. So the had to interrupt that. We kept on delivering food. We actually launched our online uh, shop. But in addition to all of that, which is important, uh, we kept on delivering essential goods mm. to the people in need. So we delivered more than 1,200 food bags to the community around us. During the summer school retreat, you know, it's called, uh, terribly called, the Holiday Hunger Program. So we changed it into a summer camp for kids. We provided more than 5,000 meals, even now during COVID, to kids around us who do not have access to three meals per day, sometimes not two meals per day. And uh, if you don't think about the people who are deeply connected to you but are in real need, and you listen to these beautiful opinions of guys with big apartments, big terraces, big villas, basically rich people who say stay home, I find it ridiculous because they're not living the, reali the reality. Mm. Families around us live in four or five in a 30 square meter, 40 square meter apartments, they do not have food. The food insecurity in the UK has increased dramatically. There are more than 30% of insecure people now. Mm. So what we did was to keep the grocery open, deliver food and uh, smile to our clients. So no one left. And the people we needed to follow, we did it with a big effort. But don't forget that in UK, it worked, the follow, wonderful. But at the beginning, when you have to pay and you are closed, you need to go to a bank and ask for money to first pay, and then you get the money back. If you do not have this capacity, you're gonna kill 50% of the small mm. restaurant business. So we did it. So we did not uh, fire anyone. And uh, the beauty of this is that all of our efforts to keep the engagement with the community around us alive um, with a beautiful campaign, we called it the Dream Campaign, with a double M, of course, Dream, was an idea to tell people, even if you are at home and you feel depressed, obviously, because this social distancing, I think, was the worst ever mm. marketing phrase in the world. It's physical distancing, not social distancing. Mm. You need to be social connected and be physical distanced for a while. And people felt the depression, suicides. What we tried to do in our very small effort, obviously, was to launch this campaign to tell people, keep on dreaming. Send us your application, your idea, your dreams. And we, we, we filmed it. We engaged with a lot of people. We had 42 at the end final applications of people who wanted to open a pizzeria, a bookstore, or they just wanted to deliver an idea of a new app. And we engaged with them. And then two or three of them won. One already started with us, the next one was a lady. We always have a, a, a special uh, division who takes care of the female food founders because we want always to be present in our market, an entrepreneur. Um, then we start next week. So we never stopped engaging with them. And people were very happy. Even the mayor of London through a Twitter, he said, thank you very much for what you're doing, which is beautiful. The 4th of July, we reopened. And the effort, believe me, was amazing. 
because you can imagine mm. with the turnover which went down 99% you had to stay there for the community to be alive 4th of July they reopen and all of a sudden two hours of queue outside of Mercato wow. again wow because it's community sure. because it's uh, it's real we are not here to give you a sugary drinks or another glass of uh, industrial beer pasteurized which is not good for your health just because I want to make money. We care about people and people care about us. Sure. So we went back in one day to pre-COVID pre level immediately wow. with all the precautions because we have the QR code. We started from the 4th of July. Sure. The rule of six, we started the 4th of July. We never stopped. So there's not big, a big difference now for us. Sure. QR, we've been recording every visitors we had. Sure. We've been cleaning everything 10 times per day and disinfecting uh, the location. So, what happened yesterday was, a, was terrible. Because after two months, when we get all the people in follow back, and we got back on our feet, and there was not a single problem, and we've been discussing with the local police and the local mayor, and we've been doing everything together because we believe in this, now, all of a sudden, one night, they decide to change the rules again for one, for one industry. And then, now, we will have to follow, not even follow, because the new scheme is not clear to anyone. Mm. Uncertainty is what is driving this country now, mm. and that's what we can't stand. We need certainty. Mm. I completely agree with the certainty, and we'll come back to that in a little bit more detail. But it's interesting what you said, that it seems like your initial thoughts were not just for you personally, it was for the community and sustainability of the whole ecosystem around yourself and around Mercato. And do you think, you said there was a queue on the first day you opened of 200 people. Do you think that was people recognizing that you were caring about them in the first place? And then they're coming back to kind <coughs> of almost feed into that whole circular economy. They are part, they are part of the movement. Yeah. Because uh, they've been coming to Mercato before COVID and they kept on writing us, thank you for being open for us. Mm. And, um, they are part of the movement. And if you think as an entrepreneur about yourself, you can be called an entrepreneur. Mm. The entrepreneur think of the company as a whole with all the stakeholders around it. If you think about yourself, it means that you should be the last sure. person to talk about it. If you are the first, it's because you put yourself in a position to take positions for all of your stakeholders, which are my people, the team, the community around, the visitors, all of them, the farmers who are delivering the vegetables, who are, mm. who's going to pay them? You understand that the food system is very complicated, but in reality, the food system is the nexus of our society. That's what I think we lost. Mm. Uh, people think that, uh, people think, actually, the government think that food is just something that has to be cheap, because they made a mistake with the word accessible. Mm. If you are aware of the definition of the right to food, as from the Human Declaration of Rights in 48, food has to be adequate. And adequate has been explained in the next covenants, means accessible, nutritious, and compatible with local cultures. Everything you see, 90% of the product you find in any supermarket, has got none of these qualities. And, mm. they and they made a mistake, not made a mistake, they made it on purpose, accessible for them meant cheap, 
but it's cheap in the moment if, in which you buy it, then it's gonna be 10 times more expensive because you're gonna get ill, mm. chronic diseases, and you're gonna ruin the environment. Sure. So it's not sure. accessible. And cheap, it's is, super. cheap is poor quality as well, generally. Super. Yeah. Ultra processed food yeah. should be banned or super taxed. Sure. Sure. This is what I would like my government to talk about instead of telling me that at 10 o'clock people must go sure. because at 10.5 coronavirus wakes up. Mm. I didn't know about this habit. Mm. That's what they told us. Coronavirus is everywhere. Yeah. You don't give rules so small, detailed, without any real meaning behind it. Just take care of the unsecure. Sure. Take care of the vulnerable and put them in a position to be safe. You cannot talk to a population of 60 million in the same way. Mm. Younger people are probably getting coronavirus, yes, but they're not dying for coronavirus. We need to keep on living. Mm. We need to take all the precautions, put your mask, keep the distance, mm. do whatever is needed. I totally agree with this. But what do you want to do? Mm. To cage a population and let this country drive yeah. away? It's already driving away from Europe. Mm. But if you look at the numbers, it's the worst performing economy in Europe now, minus Ooh. 21%. Why is that? Sure. UK, I'm here, I love London. This has always been my, the beacon of freedom and uh, entrepreneurship. I love this country. What's happening? This sure. is my question. Sure, sure. I completely agree. It's very inspiring. Your, your passion is so clear um, and it's, it's so logical what you're saying. So uh, It's, it's yeah. basic, it's honestly. Clear. Yeah. So I, I'm not a political person. I'm not a a guy who, who believes in a party or another, I'm very political, sure. but in, at the high level. Sure. I don't care if you are a Tory or, uh, or whatever. It's just you need to use good common sense. Sure. And we need real leaders. Sure. Okay. Okay, great. Really interesting. <clears throat> so let's park that for a second and let's go way back to, to the beginning almost and the early childhood days of Andrea. <laughs> and obviously I know you, you grew up in Milan, so I'm sure that food passion is instilled in you from an early age. But I'm really interested in getting to know at what stage did you start thinking kind of on a different level about food, start thinking analytically about the food ecosystem and sustainability and community and all of those things that you're so clearly, deeply passionate about now. At what stage did you transition into that? There was a moment. Okay. There was a real moment in which I decided that uh, my passion for food, which has always been there, I've been launching parties since I was six, seven. Uh, parties about food, around food. So we, we were preparing cakes with my grandmother, with my mother. We were inviting my friends at home to eat with us, to share a meal. And this is very important because, again, my passion for food is connected to sharing food. A food eaten alone has got half of the taste. Mm. You need to have someone to share food. Mm. And that's why it's an important part of our society. It's not just eating. Food is at the center of our society. Mm. And I've, we've been always in love. Probably being Italian helped a lot, obviously. Sure. But I remember there was exactly a period in which uh, I decided that food had to become also my activity, my main activity. And it was when I was in Japan. I was lucky enough uh, um, in uh, 95, if I remember well, to win the scholarship for European Commission. And they were looking forward to sending people to Japan to study the market, to take a master there, kind of a master, an executive master, 
Is this the food markets or just no, gen no, in general? general okay. In general, and there was a selection. You had to be selected first in your own country, and then all around Europe, even in Brussels, there was a second selection. And then 20 people were sent to Japan, completely paid. Everything was paid. It was a very big scholarship, and I participated. I was lucky enough to win. So I was sent to Japan, which is a country I love immensely, and I started studying language and business in Japan. And when I was, I had the time to get away from my country, from Europe, and from USA, and even from London, because I've been coming here since I was 15. Huh? So London is my second city, actually. Um, I could, from far away, see the world in a different way. That's why it's always important to travel. Yeah. Very important. Um, and I realized that the way they perceived us was different. They loved Italians. They loved Europe, their culture. But in particular, when we talk about food, they loved Italians. And it was, and I was really shocked by that, it was the third most studied language by women in Japan. Wow. Because uh, of the design, of art, of food, of uh, fashion. So when I was there, I saw the first chain, I still remember this, the first chain of, uh, let's say, European-style, Western-style coffee, because they have their own uh, kisaten, which are the typical filter coffee in Japan, they've been having that for years. I saw the first real chain with espresso, which in 95 was honestly not that good, but it was the first chain, and I was shocked to see that the, this first Japanese chain name was Pronto. So I entered, and I found a lot of writings on the walls, all in Italian, completely wrong, and the grammar was wrong. But I said, what's happening? Why, why are they interpreting Italy like this in Japan? So they really love us. So I started studying it, and during this, uh, the, the course, I started uh, helping Italian companies to sell their products, to import their products in Japan. And I, I did it for one or two years. And we did a lot of wonderful activity. I also did the other way, worked the other way around. So I took the first sushi corner in Italy. I took it to an hypermarket in Milan with the, with the embassy. We worked together. And I love this bridge that I connect, where I could connect Japan and Italy and then Europe, obviously. But after a while, I realized that that was not the way to transmit the culture. So Mercati, in reality, is a third years of progress in my thinking about the food system. Just selling a drink is not selling food or selling a ham. You need to try to transfer the culture, the history behind that product. The only way to do it was not through advertising, which again is something I deeply don't understand. Um, the only way for me was to create a container could be a small shop and big market through which I could talk about the product through the people through our sales through the food we were serving not through words only words the only way to understand food is to taste it with someone next to you who possibly understand it even better than you and I keep on learning everywhere I travel I learn something from someone and that is when I decided to cr start creating concepts. And that was in 96, 98. Okay. And this and was whilst you were still in Japan? While I was still okay. in Japan. And oh. from there, I started. So I created tons of concepts. I opened P 
pizzeria in Hong Kong, in uh, Guangdong, uh, and uh, Panino's show, uh, shops in, uh, in Korea, and then uh, concepts, I studied concepts in America, everywhere. I opened gelateria chain in, uh, in, uh, in Japan, and Sushi Corner in Italy. So, but the quality was there because I believed uh, internally. The discussion about sustainability was not yet that strong. But again, being Italian, being uh, used to eating healthy, good food mm. and not to waste anything because that was a rule in my family. I remember my grandmother, my father, don't ever waste food. Food is sacred. Don't throw away food, which is still good. So this is in our DNA and it was easier for us. So food was always at the center, but quality of food. Mm. And then little by little, I kept on studying the subject of sustainability because I realized that that was something that we had inside ourselves, but it was not shared by the rest of the world completely. So through our other studies, I went to study at, um, in Boston at the Fletcher School, mm. uh, International Negotiation and Diplomacy. I wanted to create this connection between food systems and the soft power of countries. Food is a sort of soft diplomacy. Through food, you sign amazing agreements. You talk about food. And uh, people did not realize that food is also your first medicine. So at the end of the day, if you don't talk about food, you don't talk about climate change. Mm. If you tackle that issue and you want to have a good flower in your shop, heritage flower possibly, you need to have good soil, healthy mm. soil, mm. no pesticides, no chemicals. And then you see, you go back and you can actually tackle the whole issue of climate change when you start from choosing the right food, eating the right food, buying the right food. Mm. So that's when I saw it in my mind and I, I, I started and I tried many different concepts till 2015. Okay, so you had a very, very clear vision from the very beginning, by the sounds of it. Always. Okay. And you mentioned education there. I, I noticed you did quite a lot of education in some different fields. Yeah. Was that obviously a conscious decision, but was it very conscious to get different perspectives and different levels of knowledge to bring into this idea of Mercato Metropolitano? Or was it just kind of by chance you, you kind of... No, I don't do anything fields? by chance. Okay. But uh, there was not a clear idea, obviously. Sure. My overall thinking has always been, had always been the fact that I needed to know more. I'm curious. Mm. I'm not a great student, uh, but I'm curious. I want to know, I want to understand. So in my mind, I said, okay, I studied uh, economics and business management in Italy and Spain when I was younger. And then you see, I want to do a master somewhere else. And I tried uh, in USA and then I won this scholarship in Japan because I said, I need to see wor the world from another perspective. I need to, my mind has to understand the world. So I went to Japan. It was tough, believe me, but I don't see, I, 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 can, I can never see the difficulty in front, because I'm more enthusiastic than scared. So I was always been happy to do it. And I remember all of my friends said, why are you going to Japan? You don't speak Japanese. How can you be there? So that, that's the beauty of it. So my mind starts moving faster. She didn't speak a word. No, absolutely, Japanese. absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. Absolutely. No, it's normal. We have the brains. We are becoming dull individuals with this cupid telephone that translate for us. Study. Sure. Because we need to reactivate our brains. So anyway, went to Japan. And then I said, now, what is the other economy which is very strong and I need to understand, if not USA? So 
I won another scholarship, I went to Boston and I studied a different subject, negotiation and diplomacy. I also, by the way, during that period, I also created uh, the, the, the most important online uh, geopolitical magazine in Italy with 12,000 subscribers. I've always loved geopolitics. So that's why I talk about food in a different way. I don't come from the food sector. I'm, I'm in love with food, but I see it as a main trait of our society. So we need to address it much more seriously. The restaurant business and hospitality is not just a bunch of kids going around and serving food. It's what you put in your body is the most important thing. You can change your sweater, but what you put in your mouth becomes part of your DNA. Sure. So we need to be much more uh, cautious about what we talk about. And then obviously human rights. If you do not have the sustainable development goals at the center of your life and the human rights even more at the center, I don't even think you should be allowed to do any business nowadays. The business of just making money for the shareholders is still there. But I think it's a, it's a thing of the past. Mm. It has to disappear. Mm. We, need to, we need to take into account the stakeholders, not the shareholders. I keep on saying this because it's very important. Company, the word company comes from companion. Sure. The translation is the person with whom you share bread, companion. How did how did, how did it there become to, there? to become yeah. just ROI or uh, sure. money for the shareholders? And by actually killing 50 million people per year for chronic diseases, diabetes number two, obesity in children. How can you go to bed knowing that you are selling these things to kids? You know what they say? The big chains that the junk food? They cannot, they, they, I'm not obliging them to eat it. No, you are, because mm. the people who are more obese and got these problems are the people who are more insecure also financially. So because you are offering something which is super cheap, and I understand a mother who needs to feed their three kids mm. who are crying because they're hungry, mm. they go to eat mm. in that place. Mm. So these drug dealers mm. should be punished, not the people who are buying there, because sure. they have no other alternative sure. sometimes. They're facilitating it. They're facilitating it. Yeah, exactly. They're pushers. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk about Mercato Metropolitano or so. And it'd be interesting, first of all, how did you develop the idea? And then how did you get it started in the first place? I know you started in Milan in a kind of yes. a pop-up or temporary, temporary. setting. Um, but how did you physically get it going? Mm -hmm. And then how did you grow the initial stages of it? Um, in 2015, um, we had the Food Expo in Milan. And I was asked to come up with an idea, a project inside the Food Expo. And uh, so I went to talk to the organizers. And um, I realized only in that moment that uh, that Food Expo, which was a great thing for Milan, by the way, very well organized, but it had a flow. The two main sponsors were McDonald's and Coca-Cola. Uh -huh. And they said, then it's not a food expo, it's a junk food expos. Mm. expo. And uh, so I left, I went back home, and I live along the Navigli in Milano, which is a very cool area of uh, Milan. Um, and next to me, there was this old train station called Porta Genova, uh, which is still working, still operating, but there, there was a detached warehouse with 14,000 square meters of a parking lot. And um, I said, who does this belong to? It must belong to the railway 
company probably. So I just went and knocked at their doors, wow. physically. I knocked the door of the railway station office inside the, uh, the Milano Central Station, and they told me, oh, that's a good idea, because uh, the expo actually was held outside of Milan, in Ro, the northern part of Milan. It was not easy to reach. Um, and I said, there's nothing for the center of Milan. Why don't we do an off the expo in San Milano? And they said, yes, let's think about this, come with the project. I went with the project, and because it was partially public, they said we had to go through a tender process, which I won. And uh, I won in September. They gave me the confirmation, actually March, April, and I had to open the 1st of May. Wow. This is very Italian. And uh, obviously I could not wait, so I bet all my chances, and I built everything outside. And then when they told me yes, I assembled it in one week. Wow. And we opened uh, the day before the expo started, just as a joke. And, um, but me and my friends, we invested everything we had to create it. So we had no money for Wi-Fi, for which is good because we didn't care. Mm. I remember this big corporation coming to me, oh, we offer you money if you put this label or whatever, drinks, and I said, no, no, we leave it. The first 10 days, no one was coming because we did not tell anybody that we were open. And uh, the only thing we did uh, was to, I still remember, that was funny. Uh, we asked uh, one of our partners who was uh, a, a apple farmer to give us a container of apples. So we put a lot of apples inside uh, the warehouse and me and other two friends we were going around with bicycles throwing apples to people and a small brochure where we wrote ourselves and we printed it. Finally, the first apple store opens in Milan with an apple in the center. And then people started coming saying, oh, the apple store, finally. When they came, and they saw these mountains of apples. So where is the apple store? It's here. Wow. Look at this. <laughs> Brilliant. And so they laughed because it was an apple store, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and they started eating apples and they started coming. So after 10 days, we had so much people coming. And we had, in four months, 2.5 million visitors with not one pound spent in advertising, no Wi-Fi, nothing. Wow. People came because it was a real place. That place represented me, my friends, for real. That was a place we wanted for ourselves. It was not an idea conceived to make money. Mm. That is what people feel, the authenticity. And we did so well that uh, we decided to continue mm. the adventure. We could not continue in Italy because that was a temporary location for the temporary event of the Expo and that location per se was not destined to become a commercial place. So we had to go through a lot of uh, documents and lawyers and I said, guys, I do not have time. And after five years, it went back being what it was when I left it. So unfortunately, this is my Italy. Okay. It's a beautiful country, but sometimes it does not have a long time. Sure, sure. Hey? Uh, can I ask just on, on the advertising? Sure, sure. Why, what's the reasoning behind, I know you still don't do advertising. I ask you that? one thing. Yeah. When you go to any country, you decide to travel to New York, for instance. Would you open the New York Times 
and read an advertisement of a chef saying, I am the best chef, would you go to that restaurant? No, I'd go and search out the place for myself. Would you ask a friend of yours who had been living there for a while, for instance, where is the best place to eat? Isn't it like this? Sure, absolutely. That's the reason why. Okay. If you need to advertise your food, something wrong. You need to tell a lie. Okay. Because if people like you, they come and they talk about you. So it's word of mouth. It doesn't mean that I do not communicate. Yes. But I don't directly advertise because for food in particular, if you need to advertise, there's something wrong okay. in your product. Okay. Okay. So let's talk then about the first Mercato Metropolitano in London. So in Elephant Castle. And I know it used to be a newspaper factory, I think, yeah. before you took it. I think a um, Daily Telegraph, I think. So, okay. Something like that. Okay. And again, it's incredible how you had the vision for that space because it was such a deserted piece of land, kind of <laughs> in the back end of nowhere, really. Um, so I guess, first of all, how did you have that vision? I actually saw a video online of you walking around saying, I see a coffee trader, I see pasta. Oh, that's uh, it. How did you, or how do you physically see that in such a deserted oh, yeah. kind of I backward can't space? I can tell you. It's something that hits me. Okay. And I physically see it. Mm. Whatever I've done in my life, I physically live it. So I am the worst salesperson in the world. I'm the worst uh, manager in the world if I don't believe in something. Okay. When I say that I see it, it's because physically I see the people walking by and exactly where to put things and I see them. Then I'm, a, I'm not an architect, so I need my friends to come and help me make it <clears throat> and create it. But when they showed me, I remember when I came to London, they showed me much better location in terms of footfall. Mm. I was surprised to see that in 2015, there were still people deciding a location based on footfall, like McDonald's, like these junk food chains. I, I kept on telling them, I'm talking about real food here. I don't care about footfall. I want the community around me. I want to see the history of the place. If the building has got character, if, uh, the place has been abandoned and we have to give it back to the society, to the community. If the people around us are ready to have something that has not been given to them till now. If there is food for they don't need me. Just go with your chains because you need food for to let to have clients. Sure. I don't need food for I need smart people who want to eat well with, access, with accessibility. And uh, so when they showed me three or four locations, I was really angry because uh, this logic of the footfall is for people. It's like people who need to advertise. It's the same thing. Sure. You need something else because you're not strong enough. And then they showed me this place in Elephant and Castle. I fell in love with it. I mean, have you seen it? It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm. Abandoned. Beautiful. In the center, actually in the center of London, if you look at it. Yeah. It's, it's five 10, stops 15 from... minutes from Oxford Circus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the city. Yeah. And I said, there are two subways here. Borough Market is next to us. And Elephant and Castle, we have everything there. Yeah. But people are not walking by because it was considered to be also a kind of, not a super safe place to be mm. after nine, 10 o'clock. And that's the other point. You need to go to these places to make the city safer. It's your duty to create beacon of light and activity in abandoned places. Because an abandoned place will become a place for drug dealers, for people yeah. who are not good with our kids, let's say so. So when they showed me this and I saw it, I said, this is marvelous. There was a history behind it. Mm. 
And, uh, but I still remember most of my friends entering the place with me and saying, Andrea, don't do this. No one will ever drive down here from the northern part of London, below the river, as you say. They will not do it. Don't do it. Uh, and I said, guys, can't you feel it? There's so much energy here. Can't you feel it? So it's true. You need guts. You need sure, sure. intuition. Intuition. Well. Yeah, yeah. But then, obviously, the intuition must be backed up by a lot of years of studying. So mm. management, economics, culture, everything feeds into it. Feeds into yeah, it. yeah. And then the intuition is interesting because mm. it's backed up by this sure. kind of uh, kind, not structured, yeah. but information that you have. And uh, there was another aspect, which was uh, the worst of all. The contract was only for one year. Because they said it's a pop-up. It was Peabody I talked to. Peabody is the owner of the land, of the place. And they were interesting uh, to just have a place where the, the rent, not the rent, the business rates, they had to pay a business rate for and keep it safe. A lot of costs. So they were happy to see someone who said, I take it over. No electricity, no gas. No water. They gave it to me for one year. And again, my friend said, are you going to invest really that amount of money for one year? But again, a calculated intuition was that I started talking to the residents who were very angry with the, with the way it was managed, the location, and they were happy for me to come. I started talking to all the resident association immediately. Then I went to talk to the city council and said, listen, but the application, to build another skyscraper, because at the end, that's what's going to happen. Mm. They want to build the skyscrapers to make money, even if it's not needed. Sure. And uh, how long will it take to do it? Oh, it needs, in London, in UK, you need one year, two years, three years. I said, that if we do well, maybe they will renew the contract. And Peabody actually was very proactively working with us. I was very happy about this. So I said, you know what? Let's try to do it. And I went to talk around to the architects. And uh, the way you do business in UK is different from the way we do business in, in Italy. But so when the first architect came, they gave me quotations for the place based on the square meters, which was astronomical. I said, guys, I'm not selling jewels. I'm selling aubergines. Mm. What are you talking about? Now, now it's 5,000 square meter. You need to invest at least 5 million, 7 million, 8 million. I said, guys, I know how much I raise. I can raise. I, could raise 1.2, 1.4, and we have to do it with that amount of money. And everybody said it's impossible. And I love it when they say so because it means you have a highway in front of you, and all the other they stay aside. And I talked to some friends of mine, and we started building it from scratch. Three months, we opened, and uh, in the first year, we made the first nine million pounds of sales in nine months. And then it started, and okay. then it started. Because we were true to our values, sincere, and again, not a single word of advertising, mm. but word of mouth. Second year, we grew again, till last year, when we reached two, 22 million only in one location, four million visitors. Mayor of London giving us another location in Redbridge Council in Ilford, where we are gonna open another market, and actually we got the grant to open it, because of what we do with the kids. And then Grovenor came and he said, we have a beautiful church in Mayfair, but we need something like you, not a normal restaurant. And then we engage with them and we open here. 
And now we are in talks with so many landlords who are finally understanding that there must be a partnership. Sure. Obviously, it's our duty to provide a real concept, not just selling drinks and junk food, because that is over. It's going to be over sooner or later. But if you are sincere to your values and you implement and you comply with the sustainable development goals, then people want you. Sure. Sure. And actually, your EBITDA is also the best of all the competitors by doing good. Sure. sure. That's what I would like people to understand. Yeah. It's really interesting how you've chosen that site and how you've, the, the things you kind of consider when choosing a site is really inspiring. <clears throat> but I want to talk about, like, obviously, you've created an experience and it needs to be a destination to choose those types of offbeat locations, yes. you need to create a destination. And that's obviously underpinned by the values of sustainability and community. But also, obviously food is the core, but you also look at art and music and creative creativity in general. So how important are those kind of, let's say, ter tertiary elements or extra elements? Or are they all just important. integrates? That's super important. You need to create a place. The first rule, in, a, in an organization where my first rule is to have no rules, adapt, mitigate, be ready to change. But the, the very important aspect is, is it a place where I like to be? Myself, Andrea. Is it a place I love? If it's a place I love, people will come. This, uh, I've known this since I was a kid. Because probably what I like is what most of the people like. That's it. So when I create a place and there is no music, I don't like it. If the food is amazing, but the atmosphere is dull or cold, and I, I don't feel welcome, I don't go there. So jazz, music, opera, mu the musical in London, I, I've always been in love with the musical. So if you don't have music in your life, you don't deserve a life. Music is part of who we are. It makes us better. And then there is the beauty of things. And the beauty of an of a abandoned building is amazing. Because sometimes <clears throat> the, the scarves of life is what make a person more beautiful. It's not a negative point. It's a positive point. Because it's the character. That, the character. Yeah. That building lived his life. So when you see beauty in these things, then you transmit this beauty around you. And then you tell people, come with your idea and we incubate you. So we are known to be the biggest incubator, not in the, in the let's say, management or business uh, uh, way it is interpreted, but a real incubator, come and show me what you can do. So we leave a place for the refugees, always a shock for them. One, always for the food, female food founders and for the new guys too, which rotates and we ask them to come and try. So when you engage with these things and then you have an amazing offer of music, where, for instance, now we are offering music, jazz, and piano. And while we give a beautiful experience to our visitors, we also are helping the people in the West End which are not working. So they come, they serve the table, they make some money, and then they rehearse. How beautiful is this? Sure. And they're happy, and we're not getting any money from them. Sure. <clears throat> I give the space to them, and we don't make any money. They make the money just to pay themselves, Sure. But we are offering a beautiful thing to our visitors. So I could have used those 500 square meters to, make a, to, to build maybe other 20 concepts of food and to make more money. You see, don't. 
because it's not important. We're making enough money now. Mm. It's good for us. Let's give experience. And then we created this art exhibition because on the other aspect, also art for me is very important. And again, it's part of beauty of the world. So we left one floor of our building for this talented or less talented young artists who come and show their piece of work for free. And then if they sell them, they get all the money, we are happy. So you see how you engage. And then you start the school for kids. We've been educating every year more than 1,000 kids per year of the local schools for free. There's no money in this. There shouldn't be money. If you don't educate the kids, you're going to have a world which is similar to the one we inherited with this junk food all around. If you tell a, a guy that a young kid that we just water and salt and flour can make pasta in front of your parents in nine minutes, this is fast food. This sure. is a real fast food yeah. made with your hand. So you see, if you combine all of these things together, then you create something which you cannot define. That's why everybody's kind of chasing us because they don't understand what is the business model. There is no business model. That's us. Sure. Finished. Sure. And it sounds like you're, you're really focused on integrating into the community through all these different means and just becoming part of the community, essentially. It's their market. It's not my market. Yeah. Every market must become their own market. I'm just a facilitator. But it, they need to feel that it's their own market. That's why also we change the name of each market. So we're the, the anti-chain. This is Mercato Mayfair because we made it for Mayfair. And we want people to tell us what they would like to find here. And we will change. We keep on changing. We do not have a model. Because if we find that 100 people want a different kind of food, we're going to change it. Mm. We don't care if we have a fixed idea in our minds. I always, when the circumstances change, if you don't change your mind, that's not your sure. job. So let's talk about the future of Mercato Metropolitano. So I know you're opening in uh, Elephant Park Definitely. and you're opening in Ilford. I know you have some European locations as well you're looking at. Where do you see Mercato Metropolitano going now in the future? How do you see it growing and developing? Uh, everywhere, but not as Mercato Metropolitano, as the movement. Okay. So one thing which is important to say that we don't look for any location. We don't actively look for any location. We keep on receiving every day requests from landlords, individuals, even city councils to ask us to go and open a Mercato Metropolitano in their own cities. So now we have a planned Elephant Park, which we are dealing, uh, which we are doing with landlords. And uh, here in Mayfair with Grovenor. So with real estate, the next one, sorry, is also in Canary Wharf. Canary Wharf is a beautiful place now, absolutely deserted, but we'll come back. Um, all these landlords understand that our model, which has always been like this, of a percentage on the sales, a revenue model, a, sh a revenue share model, is the only way forward. So we are sincere to them, we show all our numbers, we show them we want to share with them our success, but on the other hand, <clears throat> we share the same success with our trading partners. We don't charge a fixed amount. So we apply the same system to our trading partners and we ask the same model to the landlords. And uh, actually they understand it and they call us to go. 
And so we are going to open in Elephant Park, a beautiful location, and uh, which is a little bit different again, because what we saw it was needed there was more of a factory style. So we are going to actually make everything in front of people. We are going to meal our own flour, bake our own bread, and people will see it uh, behind a glass, and then they can sit and eat. But they see, at least you can track the traceability of products in front of your eyes, because that's a big insecurity of people. That's a problem. You don't know where the food is coming from. Could be coming from a gas station, as far as I'm concerned. Look at, imagine the, the name they're giving these delivery guys to their kitchens, dark kitchens. Mm. The name in itself scares me to death. So mm. you imagine, I want instead to be not dark at all. I want people to see where their food comes from. And the uh, park is going to be like this, while in um, Ilford we're going to create an amazing location, another kind of difficult area. We're going to create a space for people to meet and eat and have fun and enjoy. Then uh, we are going to move to Europe because the, the idea of Mercato is called Mercato Metropolitano for a reason. We want to open in Metropolis. We want to tackle the issues of food insecurity, food poverty, hunger in big cities. For the main reason that now more people live in cities than in the countryside. And from my point of view, if I, we can in a good way influence them to choose better, to eat better, then we can go back and help the farmers and the growers instead of starting from the growers. You need to change the way people eat. Mm. Then we can talk to the growers and pay them more, even their own vegetables, because we have a place to sell them. Um, so we are going to open in Berlin. We closed the deal and we, it's already under construction, a beautiful location right in the center of Berlin with Brooksfield. And uh, we have uh, Lisbon, uh, Milano, um, Paris uh, under negotiation. We have eight locations in USA where individuals came to us for us, wow. city councils, and they also invest in the company. So it's not us opening like a chain, like a virus of these chains. Everything is the same. We go there, we work with the partners. We need to find a partner who signed the, our manifesto, who understands what we fight for, and then together we build the market on purpose for that city. Sometimes not even for the city, for the area of the city. We build it together because we will need someone there to manage it with us. It's not us going there. It's them asking us to do something for themselves. It must be owned by them. And then we just uh, close the deal in Japan, but uh, again, Japan for me it's in a way easier because it's I know it uh, very well, and I know my f I've got a lot of friends there, and we are in discussion to open the first one in 2023. Okay. Um, a beautiful location in, in Tokyo, and then Osaka, and Fukuoka, and the other cities. Okay. But again, it would be a Japanese version of Mercato. So, what I want to say that is very important, the name is Italian, because I'm Italian. My name is Andrea Rasca, but I'm not only Italian. I am a person who's been living around the world, and who loves every single country in which he's been living. Because people, at the end, they are all the same. They need to socialize, to eat together, and to enjoy the basic human needs. I don't see any difference. I see only a lot of beautiful similarities among all of ourselves. So Mercato Metropolitano is Italian because my name is Italian. But everywhere we go, it will change shape and form there will always be something Italian. Pizza. Everybody wants a pizza in the world. But it doesn't mean that we have to have only pizza. We need to include the local people and to 
offer their food, but in our way. It has to be sustainable, compatible with local cultures, to be accessible. And every participant, every trading partner, need also to be part of our community schemes. So they need to give free classes and engage with the community. That's it. Okay. And do you plan on operating all of these places we yourself internally? We will directly operate it okay. together with our local partners. Okay. Franchise is the death of food. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. And in terms of COVID, just going back to that now for a second, obviously the announcements over the last few days looks <coughs> like we have severe enough restrictions at least for another six months. How are you going to adopt to that over the coming six months? Or what do you see kind of the, the, the kind of near and medium term future looking like? We're going to do the same. We're going to do what we've been doing till now. So we are going to be very careful about our visitors, about our own team. We're going to take care of all of them. We're going to be super strict on the rules. And we will keep on being open by suffering. Because we are going to suffer a lot. As entrepreneurs, as a company, we are going to disperse all the richness in terms of people and, uh, and money also that we could have been use, using to open new stores, we, can't be, we won't be able to do this. So we will survive because we are resilient and we are going to be a service for the community. We're going to suffer with them together. And I'm pretty positive about the fact that in six months' time, nine months' time, we go back to uh, pre-COVID. Actually, as I was telling you, we went back to pre-COVID in July and August. Mm. Um, the only problem I see now is that tomorrow someone from the government will, will wake up and change again. Sure. How can you work in this condition? This is the only thing I really despise, this insecurity. And the fact that you realize that there's no one who's really knowledgeable. Mm. And instead of addressing each sector of the industry and the society in different ways, they just get a, a, a rule for everyone. How is it possible? How can you manage a country like UK, so complex, so advanced, so beautiful, 60 million people sure. with one rule? Sure. How can you do it? You should, again, take care of the most, as we said before, of the most vulnerable, and then, with all the right precautions, let the people go back to normal life, with all the precautions, obviously. obviously. Sure. If not, the, this crisis, the coronavirus, would be less impactful than the post-coronavirus. Sure. The economic uh, disaster yeah. and impact that will happen yeah. soon. Sure. sure, makes sense. That's really the lack of clarity and certainty, as you were saying as well, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lack of clarity and sure. a lack of direction. Sure, sure. I think it's really super <laughs> inspiring the way, again, when I ask that question, you think about the community and others um, it's that ecosystem surrounding Mercato, as opposed to thinking yourself first. I think it's super, super inspiring and very unique, I think. So um, I think that's really amazing. Um, so just to finish up, I'd like to ask you just a few questions about yourself and about your vast experience and how you could help maybe younger entrepreneurs looking to get into the space. So first of all, I'd love to ask you if there is one or two things or one or two factors that you could attribute to your success about where you are. And success doesn't have to be financial or, or kind of public it success, shouldn't but be success, your own financial. personal yeah. success and building your community and growing the movement, etc. So do you, is there one or two things you could kind of um, advise people to focus on? Positivity. Yeah. Be positive. 
and uh, don't don't concentrate on the plan B. It shouldn't exist. You have one plan. Okay. Finished. If you start thinking about plan B, you're already diverting your energies to failure because it means that the plan A failed. Sure. If you have one dream, one idea, just concentrate on that one. Sure. It cannot fail. If you put all of your heart and your energy, it cannot fail. Okay. What I'm telling is that obviously you will have problems, you will have to change the direction, be flexible, that's the other very important part. And your idea sometimes doesn't have to be exactly how you designed it the first day. Mm. You have to have an image of your idea, kind of a grasp of, the, of, of what you want to achieve without being too organized. Mm. I've always said that planning is the death of entrepreneurship. Sure. So get the idea and then move around, but start working. That's the other thing I would say to a young entrepreneur. Don't keep on planning because everything will change. The horizon around you will change as soon as you take the first step. Sure. Because you will see things differently. So take the first step. Sure. Even if you're not perfect, sure. take the first step and start. Sure. I think you learn so much more from doing rather from than doing planning things. or analyzing. Be or... ready to change. Don't continue if it's wrong, but sure. start walking your way towards your final objective, which maybe is not super clear. It's sure. not important. Sure. You need to feel it inside that you want to do something. Sure. So, tenacity, that's the first rule in the world. And uh, capacity to build teams around you. Be resilient. Be flexible. And study more. You need to study. To understand the world, you don't need to study one thing. You can study whatever you want. You need to train your muscles to address difficult and complex situations. If you don't train it, you, can, you cannot perform. It's, it's a muscle. Sure. So I'm scared of people who think they already know. Mm. I've studied a lot and I still study a lot and I'm scared by what I don't know yet. Every morning, I find things I don't know. Every morning, I'm, there are so many beautiful things that you can still learn. So keep on learning and be humble enough to understand that we know nothing. Sure. That's very important. Sure. Very good. And what do you think, like what's your vision for the future of food and our culture surrounding food uh, and our relationship with food? What is your vision and how do you see us moving towards that? Mercato Metropolitano movement. Yeah. That's the only way forward. Yeah. And whoever will align with us, obviously, not only Mercato Metropolitano, is a movement. So I'd like all the restaurants, all the coffee shops to start thinking alike. The only way is to be, to go back to 70 years ago, not in terms of a false romanticism. It was not that everything was perfect, but, but thanks to technology, thanks to innovation, now we can provide incredibly good tasty food which is real food when innovation becomes how to make an ultra processed look like food then stop it all these ideas for instance of the faked burgers i don't know how they call it the not made by with meat sure uh, impossible burgers something like that why would I invest in an industry with which with chemicals and machinery? I will make something that look 
like a burger. Mm. Just don't eat that burger if you don't want to eat meat. Just eat pulses. There is such a big biodiversity of food around. Sure. Why are we still asking the industry to create false food? This is the way forward. We should stop. Sure. We should start thinking about the soil, which needs to go back being alive. So no more pesticides, permaculture, regenerative uh, uh, agricultural systems, everything which will allow us to go back to real food and to create a community around it and to respect more the growers and to pay them more. Sure. I, more than once I've been accused of paying the farmers too much or even uh, the, the suppliers of milk because there are cartels. You cannot pay them more. Can you believe it? Because mm. someone, some big conglomerate decided to control food and to control seeds. There are people who patent seeds. Mm. This is jail forever for me. You cannot patent seeds. And apple, if you eat it and you throw it on, the, on a beautiful soil, another tree apple will come up. Sure. Within these seeds that have been patented, they are, you cannot grow a second tree because they are sterile. Mm. Can you imagine? This is Orwell. Mm. This sure. is a, in a, in a, a, natural a future yeah. that I don't want to live in. Sure. So big conglomerates of food should be banned from, and they are banned from my world. Sure. You can decide. You like them? Keep on eating. Keep on drinking that thing. In our world, in Mercato world, in our movement, we just don't want it. We want to be free sure. and to eat good things. Sure, sure. I think it's super inspiring, Andrea, and it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank and, you very uh, much. I wish you the very, very best of luck going forward. And thanks very much for coming on. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for the interview. Thank you. Thank you.